Well, hi everybody. This is Real with Reese and with Alex Edwards. How are you doing, Alex? Hello, everybody. We've got a special guest today, and it's Whitney Aiken. Welcome to you. Whitney is a, a, an author and a mum, married to Eli, who's a dear friend of ours in our church, leads worship, and is just a brilliant guy with a ministry called M25. By the way, that's the name of a motorway in the oh, UK, like an interstate. Didn't know that. So yeah, it's the one that circles around. It's like 285 in Atlanta. Okay. It's, it circles around London. So so when I hear M25, I always think <laughs> about, about uh, being stuck on that road. But um, Eli's incredible. And so gr- gr- greetings. Um, and we'll, we'll get Eli in another time, I hope, yeah. if he's a- able to do that. But but Whitney, you're, um, uh, you're, you're a new author, published author, with a book called Overlooked. And I actually wrote one of the... Uh, the, what, what's the word? Endorsements, the, endorsements, yes. And thank you very much for that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was a, it was a great honor. But so that that meant that I did get to read the whole book. I actually read it on a plane, uh, and uh, I was just very impressed and very impacted by the subject matter, which I'd love us to dive straight into because it's just so relevant for people's lives. And um, and your story is. I mean, you, you're a kind of a self confessed introvert. Sure. Yes. So uh-huh. that. And yet here you are at the podcast. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that part of you? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely my personality types, no question. I'm not like a halfway extrovert. I'm all introverted. Um, I was very shy as a child, and it was a struggle that I uh, had as a kid and sort of with friend groups and school and all that, that was a a big issue for me. I was always behind my mom's legs and so hiding behind her, you know, and so when I do things like this, she's always like, I don't know who you are anymore. Um, But uh, this was just something that I struggled with for a lot of my life. And um, I felt like it followed me all in all the way into adulthood and my husband's in ministry. And when we first got married, he was a music ministry. Now he has his own nonprofit. And so we would travel to churches and um, I would show up as the minister's wife in a sense and really not know how to handle that role and mm. how to captivate captivate people well. It was just um, very intimidating. All of it was very intimidating to me. Um, but I, I think really the transformative thing in my life was that my husband and I went through a season of infertility, which is, seems very not on the subject, but I began to go through the season of suffering and like suffering does, it changes us. And Although I had been a Christian since I was a little girl and grew up in a godly home, um, God began to kind of poke at all the holes in my faith and really began Mm. to challenge me about what I thought about Him and what I thought about His sovereignty and His goodness and all these really big and hard questions that you go through when you really want something that God's not giving you and it's just this difficult place to be. And um, in that time, I really grew spiritually and I'm thankful I I do have a daughter and have two more children after that. Mm. So God brought me out of that season, but I like to say, though, I, of course, my daughter is a miracle. I think the real miracle out of that season was what God did in my heart and life. And so mm-hmm. after that, I had this like very strange desire to begin to tell my story. And it was very um, unlike me, and I didn't know what to do with that. Um, and yet I couldn't get it off my heart. And so I began to share my story of infertility when we would go to churches. And that kind of started this reality that, maybe there was more um, to me than I had limited myself in. Mm. And um, God began to really convict me of the idea that because I had closed myself off to other people, I had closed myself off to him being able to use me in certain ways. And um, I was convicted of that. So I had this moment with the Lord um, 
where I, I just sort of surrendered that to him and said, you know what, I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever that looks like. And that's led me on a journey of being uncomfortable in lots and lots of situations and doing things like writing listen, a book I and mean, speaking and podcasts. This is, that's a fantastic introduction already. And so it's like, are you sure you're an introvert? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but that's half the population, isn't it? And so mm-hmm. that's exciting that half the people listening to this are like, yeah, I understand how that feels, you know. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily make for automatic personality change. And actually, that's not the aim, is it? Right. But it's to rejoice in, in who you are. But um, uh, yeah, I, I was just, has your story been encouraging others along the way to sort of say, yep, that's me? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, I called the book Overlooked because I wanted to pinpoint that feeling that I had had for so much of my life. And I think sometimes just naming it is helpful for people. So um, especially, so the book is aimed toward women. Um, it was for men too. I think men feel this too. But especially, I enjoyed reading it. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, yeah. Especially so women, I think, experience this feeling of being overlooked. So it's sort of like, I'll go first and say I feel like this. And if I'll go first and you feel the freedom to say it too. And so um, I've had a lot of women um, just really resonate with that and then feel sort of like, well, um, I don't have to be held back by this because it's not what defines me. Mm. And um, God has a plan for all of us, regardless of our personality types or what we feel like are our limitations. Mm. Well, what, what really, I mean, that's a huge change. You go from introvert. I love the the picture of you hiding behind your mom's leg. Yeah. My kids do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, hey, it's okay, buddy. You know. And so the thing is, what was the thing that that gave you that courage to, to step out like this in this way? I think it's um, that God challenged me with this thought of who do you care about more, what other people think or what I think. And if I'm calling you to share your story, will you be obedient to me? Even if it feels like, you know, right now hey, my hands are a little shaky. You extroverts know, but, need to hear that yeah, too. It's like, yeah. who, who are we doing this for? You know, what's, that's wow, right. that's really good. Yeah. So even if it's uncomfortable, um, if this is what God's called me to do, then I can push past the things that, feel uncomfortable and work in his power. Mm. Now, you use words like alone and attention, the kind of craving mm-hmm. attention, even though you know there must have been moments in, in that sort of more extreme introversion, as it were, where that that's still not a great place to be necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, what, when you hear that word alone, what do you think folks are, are thinking and feeling right now? Well, I think we live in a weird reality where we think we're connected but we actually are far more alone than probably ever before and I think that it's the same reality that um, I felt for a long time which was I want to be seen but I don't really want to be seen it's sort of a, a both and and so it's the idea that I want to be with people but I'm I'm, I'm really alone or I want to be known but I really don't feel like I'm understood and I think we're experiencing that on huge levels because of social media I mean I think mm. that that is really um taking an issue that might have been on an individual level and expanding it. Um, And when I talk about attention, um, it's this idea that we think longing for attention is a terrible thing. We think um, to to be the person who wants attention is negative, and that's what I thought. Um, But as I... As I research for the book, I discovered that psychologists would say attention is actually something that humans need. Like we need positive attention oh, wow. to yeah. grow. They call it a, a biological human need. So they're going to list it on the list of surviving and thriving as a human, which I was shocked to hear personally. Um, but if that's true, then it doesn't mean that attention is either good or bad. It's just something that we need. It's where we're looking for it that matters. And so I think that's why social media has become such a big thing is because it's touching on a need that we haven't even really really 
probably identified that we have. Um, but this love and belonging, we're trying to get it in this this huge mm. opportunity to get it, social media. In a way yet, that never satisfies. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We're, we're more alone than ever, really, when we're looking to that. For you know, it. I've yeah. seen the, the same exact thing. You know, we have students, and we've really never been more connected, but yet we've never felt more alone. Mm. And, mm. you know, the, the loneliness word, and you mentioned, you know, uh, it's – your book's geared towards female. I really think guys mm -hmm. really deal with that also. And so can you shed some more light on, you know, in this current culture with loneliness, how, how would you say, how would you encourage someone who may be feeling like that right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, it, it kind of sounds like maybe an over-spiritualized answer, but when we talk about having a biological human need for something, then um, as a Christian, I believe we have a creator who gave that need to us. Yeah. And so um, in that need, he... Yeah, the psychologist just only stumbled across what is the scriptural right. truth that God that's made right. us. And, and so psychologists would say, oh, well, the way to solve this and to not feel alone or to get better attention is to surround yourself with a lot of people who give you good attention, or they might say, have more self-love in your life, which which is a really you know, buzzword, self-love. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm sure that those things are helpful, but I'm not sure I buy it 100% for the solution to this issue. And so um, as a Christian, I look to God's word and I see that we have a creator who made us. And when he created Adam and Eve, the thing that he said to them, the first thing he says to them after creation is, I see you and you are very good. God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good is Genesis mm. 131. Mm. And so there's this perfect attention and communion and approval with God. And then in Genesis 3, we see that there's sin and the fall and that sort of mm. connection is cut off because of sin. Yeah. And we have this storyline of the Bible where we're sort of trying to get back to that connection of yeah. Genesis 1. And then Jesus comes, who is the mm -hmm. Messiah. And um, in that story, Jesus dies on the cross. He rises again. He goes up to heaven. And he is the one who atones for our sins. And so it's this picture where we get to stand before God again. And instead of seeing us, right, he sees Jesus. And for the first time since Eden, the Garden of Eden, he can say, I see you and you are very good. And that, I think, is the ultimate answer to loneliness. Not that we don't need people, but that we need to have that worth and attention satisfied in God first and then let the people come in and just be icing on the cake. Mm. Matt, well, you can't actually drop a podcast mic, but that was a mic drop. <laughs> mic drop. I think everybody, that's that great. Was, great. That, that is so well put there. And you love to tell the story of Hagar. I mean, in, you also, in the book, uh, Overlooks, you, you look at Moses, mm -hmm. Paul, and Jesus. And, but you open up with the story of Hagar, also in the book of Genesis. And it, it's a messy story, isn't it? Yes. The story of Hagar. And, and the Bible doesn't sugarcoat you know, what are, what, are, what mm -hmm. well, the, the troubles of life, the Bible is very clear about all kinds of problems and sins uh, were taking place. Mm -hmm. But she's also an example of someone who God sees. Mm -hmm. And that, that story clearly meant something to you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I, I love that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat things because it shows our humanity. And yeah. it's good mm -hmm. news for me because I'm a mess too. And so <laughs> I can uh, find myself among the people in the Bible pretty easily. But yeah, so Hagar is this slave girl who is in this predicament where she's pregnant with Abraham, who is um, God's made a covenant with him and his family. She's pregnant with his child, and yet her child won't be the child of the covenant. 
Um, she's being mistreated by Abraham's wife, Sarah, and she flees, and she's in the wilderness alone, and she's going back to Egypt, and where she came from, and um, God meets her in the wilderness, says God finds her, and she's the first one to give God the name, you are the God of seeing. Um, it's Elroy, the name of God, and I think that's really remarkable, because she's a nobody, and she's not a key player, she's not going to have the child of the covenant, she's sort of a a mistake in the whole plan of all of it. And yet God allows her to be the one to identify this trait of him, which is really powerful for the people who feel overlooked, especially. Well, there's that feeling, right? That's the word I keep hearing. It's like this feeling of being overlooked, but there's also, and you touch on this briefly, the difference between a feeling and reality is, Mm -hmm. you know, what is, what am I feeling right now? I may, I feel overlooked. Um, I may be in the background, but, there's also a reality. Could you mm-hmm. share some light on the reality of that? Yeah, I think the reality is where our identity really is. So we might feel a lot of things. Other people might make us feel that way, um, which is, I think, part of my story is I internalize everything everybody ever said about me or the way they treated me. But um, our identity really lies in what God says about us. And mm-hmm. um, so the reality isn't in how we feel, although sometimes that's very powerful. It is in the fact that I was bought with a price and my worth is found in Jesus. And I kind of join a long line of people who were weak and imperfect and God used them anyway and unimportant and God used them anyway. Um, and so our, if my identity is in Christ, I'm not so worried about figuring out mm. what everybody else thinks of me and if they like me or not. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes feelings can be deceptive, can't they? <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, is we have a, we have a God who, who sees us and, and he loves us so much that he sent his son yeah. to die on the cross for us. And mm-hmm. so that's where, you know, the feelings and reality meet each other, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, you, you, as a student pastor, you encounter a lot of these conversations. You've got a great big student group uh, at the South Campus there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so is this kind of where, where you're ministering quite a bit? Yeah, you know, the, the aloneness, that's, that's big with our students right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, after COVID, um, we've had to connect in different ways. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting um, this is something completely different, but you know, students aren't as quick to go get their driver's license mm-hmm. anymore. You know, because they actually they're comfortable being at home. And I remember when I was when I turned sixteen. Wait to oh man, I was gone. <laughs> I was gone so quick. My parents didn't even get a chance. <laughs> and so you know, there's this uh, this comfort, and also, and maybe to present another idea, a comfort in maybe being in the background. But God may be pushing you to do something else, which I believe mm. you are an incredible example well, of that. Hey, we're proud of you, sister, oh, as well, you. you know, just to see the way you've journeyed. And, and so, hey, let me ask, being a published author, does that change you? Do you suddenly feel, I'm no longer overlooked by the world, but now I'm, uh, I've no. got it all together? Or? Maybe it makes it feel even more so, because it's just like, <laughs> it seems like such a big deal, and yet, I don't know, it's, it's a weird reality. And God has challenged me to do so many things surrounding the book that... I've been uncomfortable, but you know, having more attention doesn't cure no attention deficit or attention need. You know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it only just kind of makes us more desperate to stay um, aligned with Christ and humble and going to Him for what we really need. Well, I mean, when you mention social media, celebrity culture is huge, isn't it? And you know, everyone wants their fifteen minutes of fame, and even the most famous, it doesn't seem to endure really for that long and suddenly they become do you remember that guy you know and so just having more attention doesn't seem to necessarily be the answer either does it and you've already said it's our identity in christ that's right 
So, um, yeah. so, I'm, so I'm glad you don't feel overlooked you know, <laughs> because yeah. you're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your identity in Christ, that's a really good topic mm-hmm. um, because I think you, with all this, you know, how God has made us, even our natural, our identity with Christ, who God says that we are, mm-hmm. makes a big difference in how we should see ourselves. That's right. Could you share, shed some light on, you know, how you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I would say, even though I've written a book on it and talked to God a lot about it and studied his word on it, I still have days where I feel very overlooked and I'm struggling with feeling a lot of old tendencies of wanting to, kind of like you're talking about, Alex, being alone. But I would even venture to say sometimes that's hiding and hiding can be an unhealthy thing um, where we hide ourselves away from the world around us because we're afraid of what might hurt or what might be challenging. And sometimes I still feel those tendencies, um, but it's really um, reminding myself that um, if God sees me, then uh, he knows if I'm hiding and he knows if I'm looking Mm. to other people for my worth and he knows Mm. where my heart's at. And so I'm really beholden to this God who sees it all, the good and the bad. And if that's true, um, then I'm going to look to him. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go do what he asks me to do. Um, and I'm going to remember who he says that I am. Um, I love a lot of Paul's writing talks about being weak. And when I'm weak, I'm strong. And mm. God looks for the weak people. Yeah. And Amen. that's a, that ministers to me a lot because I feel very weak in a lot yeah. of things. And yet God, his power is what does it, not me. Hey, can I press into a little bit onto into social media? Because it's become, I mean, this thing that didn't even exist a quarter of a century ago. I mean, there's always been media and, and all media is ultimately social, but it's like this this sort of online phenomena here that that you know draws us in. Hey, our, our producer Braxton over there. Hey, Braxton, he's, he's got a like, ridiculous number of followers on know, social yeah. media. So all of us kind of use that and we, we use it to, I think, I like to think most of us use it to, spread the gospel, to, to tell people about Christ, to encourage the local church. But any things that you've learned about social media that could be helpful for our listeners? Well, I think that... And for me. Yeah, I think that social media is uh, not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But I do think it's a dangerous thing, if I could use that word, mm. because I think it's hard on our hearts in the idea that everything is quantified. And so our, our likes and follows and comments, everything's quantified. And I think that's mm. a difficult thing for the human heart to mm. always see a number by something, um, a ranking. Uh, and it plays into that thought of importance or um, acceptance or approval very much so. And so I think that with something that's dangerous, it doesn't mean we can't use it. It just means we have to learn how to use it well. And so um, for me, um, and something I encourage in the book is just set some boundaries for yourself. Um, Do some things like take a break. I take a break every Sunday from social media and just don't get on it at all. Mm. Um, If your heart's starting to be kind of, if you feel that that feeling like I'm starting to really click on this and have a lot of, like when I get off of it, I'm having some emotions or I'm feeling down, just assess your heart. I call my mum every Friday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Back in the UK. It's like I just had to get into that good routine of doing that. And so... That's a great idea. That some people will take like a week or a month off sometimes. Yeah. That's that's a real detox. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, I do that as well. It takes a big chunk of time off, but sometimes just having that day, as silly as it sounds, it just mm. helps your thumb not to clip that app over and over because you have to like rewire your brain for one day, and then it's just yeah. helpful <laughs> to uh, kind of reset yourself. And so that's something I encourage: is just set your own personal boundaries and know your heart as you're using it because it is it can be dangerous for the human heart. Mm. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you? Could you? 
maybe spend some more time. Th- those boundaries, it sounds like you've set some in your life. What yeah. are some, can you share some, especially uh, yeah. in this area? I think I came up with boundaries because I'm someone who's struggled. And so I got to a point on social media where it was like, if you didn't grow your platform to this, whatever, this number, you'll never get a publishing deal. And if, if it's not about your writing and it's not about how good you are, it's just about your numbers. And mm-hmm. this got into my head so much that I, I remember one day crying and telling Eli, my husband, this is a mountain in front of me that I'll never be able to climb. And so it's just going to prevent me from doing anything that I ever want to do. And it was sort of a big moment, like, whoa, I've really gotten off track here on what social media is and the power that it has and all of it. And I had to step back. And that's when I realized there's some danger here for my heart, at least. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, And so, yeah, so boundaries is... um, for me, again, it may be sound over spiritual, but to just pray about what I'm posting and to allow God to sort of lead when I'm posting, what I'm posting, and um, when I get on, and if I'm spending a lot of time on there, telling myself to take a break. Um, so, yeah, I, I just have a sort of like checklist in my mind, like how am I doing, like monitoring myself? How am I doing with social media? And yeah. maybe that's not everybody's problem, but I do think a lot of people struggle with doing social media well and I think it can be done well WWJP <laughs> yeah what, what would, would Jesus, Jesus post <laughs> oh yeah. that's good it's a good that's chapter good. title or something yeah yeah wow yeah. that is a good chapter title <laughs> yeah yeah did you come up with that uh yeah I mean I don't know if it's that good but it's a I silly it's chapter great. title yeah <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm still I'm taking a couple of steps back you said early on well we we, we measure it it's like literally you, you we count the number of people that like so if, so Take social media out of the equation. You imagine on a Sunday morning, I, I'm in the car going home, and I say, Louise, well, you know, seven people liked the sermon. <laughs> you know, and, and like, I had, I had 19 warm handshakes. One person was a little frosty with me. That, you know what I mean? That would be like, and I, I offered a compliment to somebody, and they didn't reply with a compliment. If you think about it, that would be ridiculous right. in a way, but we, we do actually, sorry, that's just, uh, it yeah. took me about five minutes for that penny to drop there, but we literally measure, and that is kind of strange, isn't it? Really? It is, and it's in everything if you think about it. I mean, uh, on social media, you know, in every way, and so I don't think that that's really how our hearts were designed to work, and yet here we are in a society quantifying everything. So it's tough. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, I heard someone. How about this one for a discussion? I heard someone say the other day, um, uh, "Get your kids on social media as soon as you want their childhood to end." Mm. Yeah. Mm. thought that was that's tough mm-hmm. yeah that's tough mm-hmm. yeah it's true though it is yeah so yeah. that was like a statement rather than a question yeah, that, that was really that, it's it's um, I, I don't I have um young my oldest is 10 so I'm yeah. still trying to figure out how to navigate that with kids um but I do know and the hope that I have is that I know how to point them back to this God who sees who when they are inevitably going to feel comparison or less than or quantified um, that there is a God who sees them and that's where they can begin. Now phone usage is, is a real, you know, the, the ebb and flow of that. It's gone from like, now we don't want the kids to have a phone. Like now everyone can have a phone and now there's a trend to say, you're not having your phone in the, in the, the school. Isn't, mm-hmm. that, isn't that right? So that's, um, that's an interesting ebb and flow yeah, right now. Oh, I used to get, I would get detention if I had my phone in school mm-hmm. and man, they just use them all the time. But the thing is, is they've found it actually has hurt production. And, and so it's, yeah. it's swinging back now. It's swinging right? back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are schools that yeah. say you can't have the, can't have the phone. Can't, because, because we, as a, as humans, we need connection mm-hmm. with yeah. one another 
and and that comes from the Lord giving us that. Mm-hmm. And the telephone is fun. It's like I could go to a flip phone. Like I really, I probably could, but uh, texting's just too easy on this <laughs> on this Apple yeah. thing. So, but it really it, it makes a huge difference because the way we think that habit, it just mm-hmm. we have to make sure we see ourselves as God sees us mm-hmm. as the one who, who loves us and, and who created us mm-hmm. uh, to be who we're called to be. Yeah. Well, this so. challenge is if I'm feeling proud or things are going great and I'm feeling popular, whatever, in a way this conversation undermines and that and says, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not a secure, stable way of living because it's, it's temporary. Sure. Um, but it, and, but it maybe it also great. And, and that's good to be challenged, but maybe it's also good to be encouraged that if we don't feel the success, mm-hmm. we don't feel like we're the center of attention. Hey, that's not what it's all about actually. If, right. if you, and if you, that's why you need to know the Lord because right. without him, the only experience you've got is, was, is within the relational realm and that's about it that's right so um and 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 that's that's a very fleeting thing as you said and mm-hmm. i like to say jesus is the great equalizer right for the proud and the humble jesus is the the equalizer so if you're a servant of the lord you're in an honored position if you're struggling with feeling that worth and if you're a servant of the lord you're in a humbled position if you're struggling with pride and so he sort of equals us all out there at the cross um to write a book you need to have been reading books as well <laughs> T- tell me about do you like to read I do, but it's hard with kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love to read. Um, and I am I read a lot, a lot of books before children, and now I read a few books a year with the children. It's seasonal sometimes, Yes, yes. It? So mm-hmm. how about you, Alex? I use the kid excuse also. You know? <laughs> it's much easier without kids to read. Man, those kids came. It just struggles, you know? Yeah. But uh, what you, yeah. Uh, leaders are readers, aren't they? It's true. And I heard someone say, you know, if you, if you do read a social media post – you're literally um, reading something that they've just thought of. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really been processed very much. They might have spell-checked it and, and checked that it's not illegal or something. If you read a blog post, <laughs> you've usually got someone's thought of a day or of a morning. Mm-hmm. But if you read a book, you've, and you think about what you put into that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nine months, 12 months, mm-hmm. sometimes two or three. Sometimes in a first book, often it's like it takes five years to write. Mm-hmm you've actually got someone's thoughts for a year or two and it's their best work. Yeah. And so I, that's where I'm reading a lot of C.S. Lewis at the yeah, moment and it really is good for my brain. Mm-hmm. I find it gives me a good good respite from sometimes to get out of something negative if social media has become ne- negative, mm-hmm. have a, a greater positive. I tell you what, reading Lewis I found certainly does that. Obviously yes. I commend reading the Bible yes. most of all. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Amen, Pastor. Yeah, Alex, you got anything else for... Whitney, that you, you really love to ask. Hey, um, say. yeah, well, I just want to say thank you so much for the time yeah. and the effort you put into Absolutely. this work and for stepping out of your comfort zone and all doing glory something to God challenging. on that one, but thank you. What a great example to us all. Yeah. Yeah. And Whitney, thank you so much. So um, tell us how you can get hold of Overlooked. Yeah. So it's online wherever books are sold. You can get on Amazon. That's where most people get it. Um, but you can search for Overlooked online. It should pop up. Lots of different places. Actually, yeah, it's usually the best way to get hold of books, isn't That's it? We, right. We've got a, um, uh, a famous author coming to our, to our church in, in the future, Lee Strobel. Yeah. And uh, these days, I don't think they show up with, with boxes of books, but it's like just go to Amazon. Yeah, it's a QR right. code. Yeah. That's, yes, that's, that's <laughs> the way to get that. But it's beautifully presented. And uh, hey, say hi to Eli for us. I will. And uh, we appreciate him. He was um, 
absolutely rocking out in our Christmas presentation, <laughs> which right. was incredible. He had playing a lot some of fun. Too rock much and roll. fun. <laughs> too yeah, too well, much fun. Say, Come on. say hi to him and all the family. Alex, yeah. um, thanks, man. Hope you're doing well. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Real with Reese with Alex Edwards. And... Um, Whitney Aiken, thank you. That's been absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Thank you. Hasn't time flown by yes, as well? Yes, it has. Absolutely. See you, everybody. Bye.